Hello once again. Welcome to Dr. Ray Talks It Over, the program designed for parents and families, where the uh, aim is to help you stand strong as a parent for the sake of your children. I'm Jerry Usher, and uh, today we're going to talk about making discipline work with Dr. Ray Garendi, father of 10, psychologist and author. Dr. Ray, we have talked so much about a variety of different issues, and it seems like one thing that seems to weave its way into every topic we've touched upon so far is discipline. Uh, why is that a struggle for so many parents, do you think? Ninety percent of the questions that I receive from parents, whatever the venue, family, friends, therapy, church, school, ninety percent has to do with discipline. That is the number one struggle among good and bad parents alike, it has become almost the defining frustration of parenthood these days. Picture the scenario, Jerry. You're in a restaurant. You're with your spouse. Now, this is the first time you've been alone without the children in four years. You finally found an adolescent willing to babysit for 40 bucks an hour plus benefits. And you look over at the door, and you see me walk in with my 10 children, 13 and under. Do you immediately think to yourself, oh, is that precious or what? Waitress, you go get that family and you sit them at this booth right next to us the whole four hours we're here. Or do you think to yourself, oh, dear, how'd they get past security? (laughs) I submit to you, Jerry, most parents think the latter. And it doesn't matter that there's ten. There could be two. Why? Because a reflection of modern parenting is there's a pretty good chance that uh, grown-up's going to be unable or unwilling to control those little people enough not to ruin your meal and everybody within 50 feet of the restaurant. And that reflects the struggle discipline has now become for parents across the whole spectrum. Do parents recognize this, or do you think that they're blind to this? Because oh, they recognize it. You think so? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's two ways of looking at this. One is they know they're frustrated and they know that something is not quite hitting on all cylinders and they suspect it's because of the relationship or the child's conduct, but they may not be sure why exactly that is. But they know that it's not like they would like it to be. The other thing I'm seeing more and more of, and you commented on this while we were talking earlier, more parents have misbehavior slip underneath their radar. It's misconduct, but they don't even recognize it as such anymore because they've slipped into maybe a permissive style or a lax style or a style that says, oh, that's kids. I guess that's what they do, and I guess that's just what we have to live with the next 24 years until they finally go to the Peace Corps. <laughs> so there's those two main components like that. But I say the majority of parents recognize something is frustrating me here. Sounds like a vigilance is necessary that uh, parents need to be constantly on guard. And that's, is, is that something parents realize, do you think, that really every moment of every day they have to be looking at what their kids are doing through a particular lens, like, is that what they should be doing? Is that what I want them to do? Is that going to lead them to where I would want them to be? You have touched upon one of the main reasons why parents struggle with discipline, and that is peace. Peace, I want peace at any price. It's easier just to let him go. Uh, I hope I hope there'll be enough 
going on, that he'll get to where I want him to go. But if I had to deal with all of that stuff, I would just go absolutely crazy. So it's just, look, he nags me, fine. Just give it to him, peace at any price, and that's what I want. One of the problems with that rationale is that peace at any price does not stay peace at any price. It becomes chaos. It becomes, I have to give and yield more and more and more to get peace at any price. And ultimately, uh, there is no peace. So I always tell parents this. The hardest thing you will do on a day-to-day basis is to do what you said, Jerry. To be vigilant. To always ask the question, is this what I need to be doing? Uh, Are my limits good? Is my structure good? The hardest thing you will do on a day-to-day basis is discipline. There is only one thing harder. Live with an undisciplined child. Would parents be tempted to say, well, if I'm going to discipline my child, um, looking at it maybe in how that's going to reflect upon them or how they're going to feel or how the child's going to relate to them? I feel mean. Discipline makes me feel guilty. If you talk to grandparents, you will find that this sense of guilt over having to discipline a child was pretty much absent from their approach. They did it. They recognized that they had to do it. They knew it was part and parcel of strong parenting. Many parents feel very, very guilty now. And there are many, many, many reasons why parents feel guilty. There is single parent guilt. You know, my marriage fell apart. My life is chaos. It's not in the direction I had hoped it would be. Uh, This child has been ripped off, so I can't ask her to dry the dishes too. Single parent guilt. Working parent guilt. I'm gone all day. I get home at 5.30. The first thing I don't want to do is to say, son, that's disrespectful. You go up to your room, please. I'm only going to get to see him for three hours. I don't want to spend 20 minutes of that having him be in his room. Working parent guilt. Only child guilt. Sometimes parents feel guilty because, well, you know, I've read, isn't this true, Dr. Ray? I have read that only children are selfish. Is that a problem? Is that true? And so they, it's not true, by the way. But they feel terrible about it. Special child guilt. That's a very common one. My child has a handicap. The world has ripped off my child. Life has shortchanged my child. Therefore, I cannot ask my child to write me an essay of apology for his disrespectful mouth because look how frustrated he is because he has a handicap and the world doesn't understand so I feel terrible adding to his burden. I had a situation like that with two of my own children. Uh, We adopted them at age four and they had very, very, very chaotic lives prior to going into foster care. When they went into foster care at 15 months, the foster parents were very good people but they felt guilty. The children had been tormented by life, and we should not discipline them, too. They've already been mistreated enough by the grown-ups in their lives. They don't need us to send them to bed early or to stand them in a corner. So guilt is a huge factor for parents. Here's a good way to combat guilt. The next time, Mom and Dad, you feel terrible about disciplining, or you feel mean Remember this, if you don't discipline your child, it will be done. A judge, a landlord, an army sergeant, a police officer, an employer, I shudder at this next one, a wife, somebody (laughs) will teach the child. 
when you do these things in the world, you can get hurt. And I always tell parents, the world does not give mitigating circumstances. Some employer is not going to go, you are just so cranky. Now, did you get a nap today? You go home and take another one. I'll cover for you till you get back. <laughs> Some judge is not going to say, let me see if I understand this. You're the middle child. You have identity problems. And you're left-handed. Did you tell that to the prosecutor? I'm sure he'll throw the whole case out. <laughs> when you feel guilty, remind yourself, I'm doing what needs to be done so that my son or daughter does not get hurt the next 60 years of their lives by a world who doesn't like them, cannot relate to them, and will hold them accountable in very erratic, hurtful ways for their misbehavior. All of these examples you're giving seem to exhibit a common failure, I think, to see the fact that parents' primary duty really is to help the children overcome what we're all born with, a sinful nature, develop habits of virtue, a moral life, and ultimately get to heaven. They've got to see this, I think, and I hope you agree with, through God's eyes. We read the Bible. The Bible is clear. Those whom God loves, he disciplines. And parents, uh, how, how important is it that they see it this way? Many Catholic parents are listening to this now. And their sole goal, S-O-L-E and S-O-U-L, is to raise a child who will someday be with God. If you want motive for standing strong in your discipline, when you feel guilty, when it hurts, when you feel bad, when you're afraid they won't like you, for whatever the reason, continuously remind yourself it is very hard for an undisciplined person to come to God. God requires obedience. He requires submission. And he does not force it on us like a parent does. He allows us to choose our own way. He woos us. So therefore, if we do not develop that internal discipline in a kid, what are the chances that he'll go, well, I'm 29 years old now. I think I'd like to turn myself to God and his whole moral system and what he requires of me, which is far above what any human being would require of me. So therefore, I'm willing to submit now out of humility. And completely change my behavior, and change my, my patterns behavior, of yeah. life. And now, obviously, God can reach out and touch anybody with the Holy Spirit, but we got to cooperate. And to the degree that we have not been disciplined and taught, it's harder. And so, therefore, moms and dads, remember, guilt is a feeling of the heart. Overcome it with your head. Your head needs to tell your heart, I know you don't feel like doing this. You must do it for the sake of your child's future and soul. I've heard it put this way before. As parents, you're raising God's little images. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Of course, some of my kids, I'm going to have to work on their image a little bit. <laughs> I might have to do something. I think every parent probably feels that way. But there is that lovability in kids, and yet uh, it's got to be very, very, it's got to be almost a balancing act for parents. You mentioned the head and the heart. Uh, how do the two work together? When a parent feels mean, a lot of times it is because they're mean. When we get frustrated in discipline, when we don't feel that we can set a limit and it will be followed. In other words, if you look at a child and say, you know, you don't talk to your sister that way. You go straight to your room. And there's going to be a fight. That child's going to argue with you and that child is not going to go. We get ugly. 
we get mean. We say things we shouldn't say. We talk in ways we don't talk like to any other human being. So therefore, I will tell parents, you see, it's one thing to feel mean when you're doing something good, which is disciplining. But be careful you don't act mean out of frustration. We all do it, but you, you want to keep it from getting out of control. And therefore, good discipline leads to kinder behavior. Jerry, if you can say at any moment to a child, um, please go to your room. That's a very mean way to talk to your mother. And the child turns and goes. Okay, which, by the way, only a minority of, of children will do now with American parents. You're not going to get mean. It's not likely. But if that child comes out of that room 26 times, argues with you for 45 minutes, nags you for two days, makes life miserable for every member of the family for the next three hours, you're going to get mean. You are not Mother Teresa. <laughs> well, Dr. Ray, you mentioned peace at any price. How else do parents question their own right to discipline? I don't want to break his spirit. Earlier shows, you and I talked about a lot of psychological notions that are paralyzing parents. A label I put on it is analysis paralysis. Okay, The overthinking, overanalyzing into immovability. One of those notions is, you know, kids got to be kids. And if you discipline them for certain behaviors too much, you'll crush their spirit. You'll break their spirit. In fact, you will not break their spirit. What breaks spirits is when you are relentlessly mean and nasty and ugly and obnoxious towards a child. Yes, that can take its toll. There's no question about that. But disciplining a child for misconduct, in other words, saying, here's the consequences for what you did, son, because what you did is wrong. It hurts people. It hurts others. It hurts the environment. Whatever is not going to crush a spirit. In my office... Jerry, the most unhappy children I see are those who are undisciplined. Parents will come in often and say, you know, he, I, he just, I don't know, he's moody. He's, he, he just seems discontent. And you get this a lot with adolescents. And as we talk, in the majority of the cases, it's not a mood problem. It's a behavior problem. And mom and child and dad and child are clashing. They're, they're butting each other relentlessly, day in and day out, arguments and yelling and nagging. And the parents are not in charge. And what happens over time is a grinding. And that grinding takes its toll on the child's mood. Think about this, Jerry. You come into work every day and you have a supervisor. And at any time, that supervisor could come in and start arguing with you and start a fight and this happens 5 10 15 20 times a day uh, how would your mood be towards going to work not very good not very good right <laughs> yeah. and and that's what we can allow to happen if we allow a child to be out of control because we're human and therefore we're going to ultimately get angry and we're going to get frustrated and then we're just going to want to snap and then the grinding takes place and then the spirits get banged up it's not uncommon for a parent to say this to me. You know, he seems to have a bad self-image. I think he misbehaves to get attention. Well, in fact, Jerry, most of the time it's just the reverse. The child is misbehaving, and the parent is frustrated at how to handle it. 
And then, because of all the grinding, the child is not oblivious to the fact that he's fighting with his mom or dad. He doesn't get along with his peers. His teacher's called home seven times because of his conduct this past month. You can't smack your head up against the environment like that over and over and over again and not start to develop some pretty bad feelings about who you are. And oftentimes parents will say, well, then you'd think he'd change it. Ah, you don't understand. He may want to change it. He doesn't have the ability right now because we got to teach him. So those things happen. They're, they're real common sequelae, if you will, of kids who aren't disciplined well. You ever have a parent say to you, I've tried everything. What do I do? Oh, I don't know what to the do. lament. Oh, <laughs> my Jerry, I'll tell you. I've tried everything with this child. Nothing works. Finally, I got so frustrated. I sent him down to the store to get milk and moved while he was gone. <laughs> Along the way, we tried things that would have worked. But here's why we think we've tried everything. We tried nothing long enough. The problem is, I call it pinball discipline. There is a myth that you and I didn't talk about on previous shows in psychology that says, if you handle a child well, the behavior will improve. child will get better. If you use the right technique, for the most part, that's true. Here's where the myth comes in. It doesn't happen in a week, and it doesn't happen in a month, and it doesn't happen in a year. It happens over several years. Therefore, what we do as parents, we try this for two weeks, try that for eight weeks, try this for six weeks, try that for four weeks, try that for one week, and none of it works because it's way too short. If we would have stuck with it over time, Just about anything can work, given enough time. Here's another reason why we say this as parents. I have a little test I give my clients. They'll come in and they'll say, I've tried everything with Butkus. Nothing works. He's a little Damien. Chucky. (laughs) Okay. I ask this question. On any given day, on average, that this child and you are together, let's pick a Saturday, 15 hours together. Somehow you cross paths in a house. How many times does this child get disciplined? And by discipline, I don't mean mouth now. I mean actual consequences placed on his conduct. He goes to his room. He writes an essay of apology. He stands in the corner. He defines dictionary words. He he is fined a dollar. Sister servant for three hours because he mistreated her this morning. I tell my sons that's a good one. That'll prepare you for marriage. Now, (laughs) I just look at my wife and go, just kidding, honey. Now, if we do something like that, I define it for them. And I say, how many times does that happen? And they'll look at me and go, oh, one or two times a day. 95% of parents, it's two two or below. Most, it's zero or one. I say, okay, I'm going to give you two. Discipline happens twice a day. All right. Here's the second part of the question. On any given day, how many times does this child torment a sibling, argue with you, get disrespectful, throw a fit, not do what he's told, ignore you, blow you off, break a house rule, and I define it for them. I say, now, if he walks by his sister and he bumps her, that's one. If she says, quit it, and he goes, you quit it, that's two. (laughs) If she says, I'm not, stop it. And he pushes her. That's three. I say, if I define it that discreetly, how many times a day does he misbehave? And they laugh. They go, oh, oh, 
Oh, can't count. Can't, that's what they say. That's the exact words. I can't count it. I can't count it. It's constant. You know, it's, and I'll say, how many? you got to give me a number. And they'll go, I would have no idea. And I'd say, how about 50? And they go, ooh, ooh, that sounds like a lot. And I'll go, well, now remember, if you're within 15 hours, that's only three an hour. Then they laugh again. They go, oh, yeah, it's way more than 50 then. I'll go, okay, give me a number. They go, 100. I'll go, okay. What is two, which is the, no, the number of times he gets disciplined? Divided by 100. I go, what percent is that? 2%. There's your discipline consistency level. You are 2% consistent. The other 98% of the time, nothing is happening other than yelling, nagging, screaming, threatening, cajoling, wheedling. You're teaching your son or your daughter, 98% of the time, I don't do anything. I may get mad. I may yell. Only 2% of the time, I actually put a consequence. And I tell parents, nothing will work. At 2%. You can try every conceivable technique in the whole world. At 2%, nothing will work. And that is where a lot of that, I've tried everything, nothing works. Virtually every parent that I talk to is pretty much convinced they have tried everything. If I go, I want you to do this. Every time he's disrespectful to you, he goes to his room automatic one hour. Oh, I've done that. That doesn't work. He doesn't stop. I said, hold on a second. Our goal is not necessarily to stop him. Our goal is just to teach him a lesson. He mouths, he goes. Well, I've done that. How many times? Oh, I, I, I mean, I've done that. How many times? <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, we, we did it all last month. Well, I want you to do it all this year. See, but that kind of prolonged discipline approach is foreign to us because in our microwave culture where everything is... Quick, fix. quick, 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 quick. Yeah. Raising a child is prolonged. I use this example, Jerry. Jerry, uh, do you have qualities in you you've been struggling with 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years? Mm-hmm. Procrastinating, talking about people behind their back, losing your temper in a basketball game, saying things you shouldn't say. Jerry's gone, nope, nope, that's not me. Carl Keating, that's who it is. It's Carl Keating. <laughs> He's got qualities like that. Now, Jerry, when you do these things... uh. Don't you get disciplined? Your conscience bothers you. Sure. A friend gives you a reaction. Mm-hmm. The world the world holds you accountable generally in some way. In a sense, yeah. Yes, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Now, Jerry, I don't understand something. You've been getting disciplined for some of this stuff for two and a half decades. Why are you still doing it? See, we expect a kid after three weeks of gone and sitting in a chair to go, Oh, mother, I've been so blind. Of course, I see what you're saying. I spit, I sit. Time is the essence of discipline. And when we say, I've tried everything, nothing works, usually we're saying, I didn't try it long enough, or I wasn't anywhere near consistent enough. Well, you know, you're going to have parents who hear these things and and probably will want to implement some changes in the way they discipline their children. Is that going to have to be accompanied by any sort of explanation to the children? I mean, this could be a radical awakening. I mean, one day a child could be getting away with murder in the house. The next day, the parent, having come to you and gotten your advice, all of a sudden the kid's going to go, are these my parents? That's right. Who are who you've been listening to? You've been catching that Dr. Ray guy or something? I mean, do the parents just do it? No, and, I just give them a poster of me for their kid's room. I say, here, this will explain everything. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. You wouldn't want him for You've been bad. Go stare at this poster <laughs> for an hour. Oh, Dad, not Dad. I'm calling Children's <laughs> Services. Okay. That's a great question, and parents ask it. Do I explain? Do I tell them everything? Uh, yeah, first time. You know, guys, I'll abbreviate this for the interest of 
broadcast. I, uh, I haven't really been fair with you. I've been allowing you to behave in ways that, that, that are not good. They, they make us mad at each other. They don't teach you good things. So we're going to change some things around here. Now they've heard that before. Of course, they've always heard it in fits of emotion. There's going to be some changes around here, young man. My mother will raise me on that one. But this time you're going to say it calm, and that's going to mess them up because they're not used to you seeing that Clint Eastwood kind of deliberateness. Uh, I'm going to do some things differently. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Every time you two carry on with each other, it's automatic. I'm not asking any questions at all. You go to that corner for 15 minutes, you go to that corner for 15 minutes. That's our new house rule, and that's the way I'm going to operate. So if you torment each other 20 times a day, well, you're going to visit that corner 20 times a day. Now, of course, they won't, but but you see the point? Yes, warn and tell, but that's it. You don't have to go over this every time. And don't re-remind. You remember what I said to you yesterday? Do you remember what I told you about the corner? You want me to use the corner? I've got corners, you know. I've got four of them in every room, and I'm willing to use them. Don't make me use my corner. In other words, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, the Nike. Do Nike parenting. Just <laughs> do it. We're short on time uh, this time around. We have a lot more to talk about with regard to making discipline work. But basically, in a nutshell, kids learn your weaknesses in the same way they can be conditioned to know your strengths. And that you're going to be serious about what you they say. have a parental magnifying glass. If you got a crack that's not witnessable to the naked eye, they'll know it's there. They'll know where to go at it, not because they're mean little crafty buggers, but because they're human being kids. Remember this, Jerry. Part of the reason children seem smarter than us is because we're the only game for them. If I'm a six-year-old kid, part of my goal in life is to get to do what I want to do. And the person that's in the way is my mother or my father. So therefore, 82% of my effort is figuring out how to get what I want to do. <laughs> if you're a mom or dad, you got to run a house, you got three other kids, you got a job, you got concerns coming everywhere. So uh, that's why they seem smarter. We're, we're, we're something they got to be concerned with. We're the main game. A lot more to cover on this topic, which we will do next time with Dr. Ray Garendi. As Dr. Ray talks it over, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Probably the best way, Jerry, website, www.kidbrat.com. That can tell you where I'm speaking and give you information on the books and also through you guys, through the Speakers Bureau at your uh, organization, Catholic Answers. Next time, we continue with our discussion, Making Discipline Work, as Dr. Ray talks it over. God bless. God bless.